Welcome back. Peace, love, and rock and roll, everybody, here on the Sunday card. We have made it through seven of the eight divisions of our positional ranking series, and now we come to the final one. We are out west. We are riding the waves of summer. It's almost here. This is the cool guy division. You know, all these coaches in this division, it's the cool guy division. So let's add a couple of cool guys into the mix right here on the Sunday card. Dan Zampano, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matty Waves, Matt Silbert this week on the NFC West show. And our esteemed producer is back. Our war correspondent, Louis Paracone, is back better than ever. We have returned. We have gotten a new phone. We are locked and loaded, ready to go. Had to get it done before the season started. I know we still got a little bit of time, but just had to make sure because there's so much news that's going on right now. We, we really got to be prepared. We need a phone at all times. You know, this is the new age. My old phone fell in the water. It was like a beeper all week long. So, Got to use the landline. After you get a little message, you got to go, go use the landline, fire it up. I was running on my computer looking to see what the heck happened in the old interweb, as the old folks call it. So, Lou's, Lou's got the Dalai Lama online, too. Like, he's like all like he's very important person. Uh, you know, I mean, that's true. Like, there's news out left and right. But guess what the biggest news of all is? Today. Every team reported to training camp. It has officially begun. The season is underway, ladies and gentlemen. A couple of teams have already been in it. The Jaguars, the Raiders have already kind of been there a couple of days. And in the first few days of training camp, it is more about installation than evaluation. It is the first four or five days of that situation. You're going to hear a lot of news. Most of it is just players learning the system. Once we get past that first week, it is game on. Let's go. And we're going to start cutting rosters and seeing where people go. Uh, Maddie, how you doing, buddy? This past weekend um, kind of went by quick, went by fast. But guess what? I mean, next week we got football on the brain. Thursday night, Hall of Fame game, one week from Thursday. Yeah, football's football's back. We can say it every week, football. We're just a little bit closer to being back. Let's see. We said we are eight. We are less than seven Sundays away now after this past weekend. Mm -hmm. So we just got to keep counting down the weeks, keep counting down the Sundays uh, to get us there. But like you said, this is the time we're going to start hearing about uh, some position battles after, you know, after this next week with the here, who's winning a job in some of these parts. We have hard knocks got to be starting up in another two weeks, three weeks. weeks. Yep. Yep. So I mean, that's, you know, once hard knocks hits, that's a whole nother thing. So we're getting, we're, we're feeling it. We are feeling it. Hard knocks. We all know, we all know it's coming. At Dan Campbell, he is going to be some entertainment. I can't wait to see the Lions on Hard Knocks. It's going to be really fun. Um, but we're going to do the NFC West today and finish up this series. And then we'll take a break and do NFL positional rankings groups in a couple of weeks. But before we can do that, we have to finish these last four teams. Before we do that, let's look at the news. And what do you know? Perfect. Perfect time. We've got perfect timing last two weeks. I'm like just holding on. We had Kyler last week. We've got more Kyler this week. But today, just today, the rich get richer, don't they? Tampa Bay signing Julio. Uh, welcome home. He is down by the schoolyard with Mr. Brady and, and Mike Evans and Russell Gage and Chris Godwin just putting on their backpacks and going back to school, baby. It's going to be a lot of fun. And honestly, I don't know how this changes anything for you. Does this change the way you look at the Buccaneers receiver core now? This would put them up to either one or two. I did. I was like, all right, now I guess if we got 
Godwin out for just a little bit, as you said. Like I've seen more now. It doesn't like to be that close to the beginning of the season. You know, Julio. It is hard to think. It's like, yeah, Julio, how good has he been recently? But again, you think of Julio playing with Tom Brady, and you're like, okay, yeah, I could see some good things happening there. I could see some good things happening there. Uh, yeah, a couple, just a few. I don't know. Might catch more than like two touchdowns this year. <laughs> like, yeah, more than he's caught like in the past five years combined. He could catch this year. Oh man, that is a that is a heck of a signing. That is a heck of a signing. That that was that was a definite just kind of mouth drop. Like oh boy, here they go again. So big for the Bucks. I mean, it's Super Bowl bust, and we know it for them. Uh, a couple of uh, retirements to talk about real quick. Danny Amendola, our Mm. One-time MVP of the Super Bowl pick uh, from a long time ago uh, is taken the cleats off and decided to retire. And Chris Carson, a surprise, retires today. He had a neck injury that he couldn't really get back from and needs to get his body right. So very surprising that Chris Carson, and that obviously pertains to what we're going to talk about today with the Seahawks, but Danny Amendola, Chris Carson, thank you for your service. Yeah, I said Dan, Danny Amendola brings us real back to the one we started doing this, uh, like this podcast or another iteration of this podcast, I guess, mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, and that's that infamous Super Bowl that we thought he was just going to, man, we thought Danny Amendola was going to light up the sky. So we'll <laughs> always have that. We'll always have that with him, with Dan Am. Uh, and then, yeah, Chris Carson, I had heard I had heard about the neck injury and uh, with him and, and talks a month ago. Yeah, think about retiring. And, you know, sometimes you just got to got to do what you got to do. You got to take care. He came in. It feels like he came in and out of the league fast had a had a you know electric career is his like four or five seasons that he was on the map busted on the scene took a job and then uh kind of loses his job and is out of the league just like that yeah that's running back to life for you right there i mean it's just so quick it can go uh last one here and then i got a little thing for lou if he wants to comment on. did you see the rams rings the new super bowl rings they are massive they're insane um not only are they the largest rings of all time but if you turn the top of the ring, you can actually open it up, and inside is the stadium of the Super Bowl. It's ridiculous. It's L.A. It's everything you think of L.A., and the ring itself is like the size of your palm. It's just massive. So absolutely crazy, these rings. you got to take a look at it online. Yeah, so the rings are like what we talked about with the with the uh, quarterback contracts. Like the next one, it just has to be bigger. Like it doesn't matter if it was a better win or whatever like that. You got to be bigger and have more carrots than the last one. So they're only going to get more exponentially ridiculous. And with that owner, Stan Kroenke, money is no object. He just spends, spends, spends that man. Goodness gracious. Uh, just a real quick shout out, Lou. How about Riley Reef signing with the Chicago Bears today? Uh, I put the order in for the jersey. It should be coming in about uh, six to eight months because you know how these things transition. It, it's not a real jersey, but I got it custom made to say what. No, never mind. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one for you and Matt too. And uh putting putting more and clothes on. Of course. Yeah, that's it. Putting more clothes I, on as he goes to Chicago. Yeah, like I, I hope it's in the new bright orange that they have released. <laughs> there that, that tangerine orange that is coming out. No, uh, yeah, not, I wouldn't spend my money on that. No, that's uh, not <laughs> the orange helmets. We did helmet talk last week. Is he wearing number Bay of the uh, Bears bath? Yeah, Don't not like good. It. Is he wearing 69 this year? I was waiting for you to say that. I could yeah, always I I hope to say that. <laughs> no. Because so, then you have to get the jersey if, you, if you're wearing 69. 
Uh, let's move on, shall we? Uh, let's get on to the quarterbacks and let's rank them. Uh, with NFC West, as you know, in our position rankings, it's quarterbacks, running backs, pass catchers, defenses, and coaches throughout each division. So let's break it down quarterbacks-wise. Uh, Matt, I'm going to let you go first this week. Uh, I think I feel good about that and, and let you kind of deal with this because there's a lot of quarterbacks here that, you know, you have a lot of affinity for and some that are just close to home. So I, I'm wondering, you know, who you play second behind Drew Locke this year. So let's see. Yeah, I did have to take – I tried to take my bias out of it a little bit, so I won't have him number one here. You know, got to be a little bit realistic uh, as he <laughs> might also not even be number one on his own death chart. Uh, but starting off here at the top, I think it's uh, pretty evident you have to go with uh, the man who got the monkey off his back last year with the big Super Bowl, and you put Matt Stafford at the top. Uh, I mean, the mix of him with McVay in that offense, clearly with uh, you know his receiver best friend, uh, the Breakfast Club, the season that they had together last year. Matt Stafford is, is you know by far the best in this division. Number two, oh, you got to go with the the paid man. I think you got to go with mm. the the paid man here, Tyler Murray, uh, Mister Chicken Nugget himself, running around. I just. Uh, Looking at the other, I wouldn't think he'd be number two on a quarterback list. Honestly, I feel like there'd be a lot of other options I'd have ahead of him. But when you move down next in the list and number three, I, I, I have Trey, Lance, I have San Francisco here. I, I have the Trey Lance slash Nate Sudfeld. Uh, Cause again, I think I'm hoping that we're not obviously counting Jimmy Garoppolo. He will be traded by the time the season starts. So not including him in this quarterback room here, but you've at least got Trey Lance, a young guy. Uh, I was just trying to pull his stats, but I know his passing stats weren't fantastic in the, in the couple games that he played. Uh, but what he can be and his potential, I think you have to put him there above Geno Smith and Drew Locke, who are just two, again, journeyman quarterbacks in the league. You know what you're going to get. They they might win you a surprise game, uh, but they're definitely not going to like surprise anybody to get you to the playoffs, I don't think so, especially not with the rest of the roster. So I think that list was pretty cut and dry. I don't know what you think, Dan. Uh, yeah, let's go mind meld it. I mean, that's, I mean, I think we really need to separate Stafford and Murray from the other two. I think it's clearly, I mean, Trey Lance, you know, the jury's still out, but like we said before, there is no quarterback in that draft class in my mind that has a higher ceiling than Trey Lance. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think he has the ability if he can get it right. And if he can learn the system and learn how to be a professional quarterback, he's got Russell Wilson passing with Lamar Jackson, uh, electricity like he really does he's very very talented and I know that's a lot to say but I think he does definitely have the potential um but Matt Stafford is number one and and basically for the reason is you know yeah you get the monkey off your back but we knew Matt Stafford was this good I mean we knew it we knew that he had this talent and he was stuck in Detroit never had any talent never had any coaching that Jim Caldwell was the closest thing he was ever going to get to the playoffs um and coaching with him and it's just not the same. So, yeah, Matt Stafford is number one, and clearly Kyler Murray is number two, especially in light of what we have seen here. I mean, what we are seeing from this contract and this whole story about him having the independent study, I mean, for, for games, he is doing the Johnny Manziel. I mean, that's basically what he's doing. Johnny Manziel did the same thing, never studied, never watched film. And the fact that Kyler Murray, I just can't believe that you have to sit here. We're sitting here saying, my first thought was, well, I mean, if you have to put that in the contract, should you really be signing the contract? Should you really be offering the guy like $230, $40 million? I mean, that's crazy. Imagine if Kyler Murray watched film. Imagine. Like, he's already that good. 
He's never not been good. He's the greatest. Anybody will tell you that he's the greatest high school quarterback that anybody's ever seen. Anybody. Then he was excellent in college, was a Heisman Trophy winner. And now he's a starting quarterback in the NFL, and he's a pretty damn good one. And he has never watched film or at least doesn't watch a lot of it. You know, I mean, can you imagine what this guy could be? So, yeah, Kyler Murray, great talent, just not as a head case. I mean, total head case here, not a leader. And that matters when you're playing quarterback. It's the only position where it actually matters a lot of the time. Trey Lance, like we said, and then God bless it. I mean, Geno Smith, Drew Locke. I'm going to throw Jacob Eason in that category because who knows? I mean, seriously, this is a, this is a tough um, this is a tough group. This is a tough group. And look, I think a lot of this conversation should center around Jimmy Garoppolo and where he goes. But you know, he could be playing for one of these teams. He could be playing for Seattle. Who knows? So if that's the case, if Jimmy gets put, propped into Seattle's group, I feel a lot better about Seattle, to be honest, because the rest of the roster ain't bad. I'll say that. It's not that bad. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Like I say, it, it is just a, a very hilarious quarterback room. It's interesting to think that, I mean, they're clearly the spot that needs a quarterback like the most. I mean, I don't know if they're just basically trying to tell I me mean, they need a lot of rebuilding to go to go out. I mean, they've got the two wide receivers, but they've got a lot of rebuilding to do. What would you be willing to give up uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo in a trade in your division? You know, it's, it's interesting to think about that deal getting done. So mm. uh, very, very interested to see where he ends up landing. Yeah. You don't expect that, especially with San Francisco, a contending team trading to a team that doesn't contend. I think at the end of the day, Jimmy's probably ending up somewhere on the lines of maybe Atlanta and, and, and something like that. I just don't see him going to Seattle. Uh, the Browns just signed Josh Rosen. Um, so they brought Josh Rosen in now, which doesn't mean he's starting. It just means that it sounds like they're not really interested in Jimmy if they're making a move like that. So I, I just don't see a lot of places outside of Seattle for him. Atlanta would be the one place I might for a quarterback competition. Let's go with running backs. This was a fascinating group. I mean, talk about some depth. I mean, every single one of these programs here has some pretty good depth uh, at this position. And we know that two of these teams and really three of these teams are very predicated on running the football. Arizona, not so much, but San Francisco, 100% is. And the Rams have a massive zone run scheme options that they tag off of Stafford now. And maybe they've gotten away with that from, from now Stafford being more of the pass-happy quarterback. But if I'm going to rank them, I'm actually going to put the Rams at number one here. And that might be a little bit surprising, but I thought that uh, you know Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle both having really good years last year and carrying the bulk load for that team. You have, you had two guys last year that did a great job. Now Sony is gone, but Cam Akers is healthy. And I thought that was a very, very big part of their Super Bowl run last year was being able to run the football with a healthy Cam Akers late in their postseason run. I think that really, really helped them. He'll be, uh, you know, fully healthy, fully healed and ready to go by week one. They draft your boy out of Notre Dame, Kyron Williams, comes down there, the rookie. I think that's a really good uh, third running back option. They have Xavier Jones, who I've also liked. Jake Funk has gotten a lot of time. I think this Rams team has a lot of good potential to be able to run the football with ease. Now, their offensive line is a little shaky, and I think San Francisco's is probably better than them. San Francisco's got a – I mean, you talk about guys. Elijah Mitchell led this division last year in rushing. He had 963 yards rushing. That was the most of any running back last year in this division. 
And that was just in 11 games. He only played 11 games. So that's a, that's a lot of production for Elijah Mitchell. Not a great pass catching, um, you know, uh, responsibility for him, but they have plenty of guys that can do it. Jeff Wilson's still on this team, Jamichael Hasty, Trey Sermon. And I want to point out Kyle Ustrick. He's part of this group. And he's probably the best fullback in all of the game, in all of, all of the league. As a pass catching fullback, a fullback that's super reliable, you have to always factor Kyle Ustrick into this. So San Francisco was a very close second for me with the Rams. I went Seattle number three. Uh, and and the reasoning, even with the Chris Carson retirement, Rashad Penny, when he had the ball last year, unbelievable how, how much he was able to get out of it. He only played in 10 games, but he averaged 6.3 yards a carry. I mean, every time he touched the ball, he was going. Had a 750 yards rushing, six touchdowns. And then you have the idea of having still DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, guys that have played. But you add Kenneth Walker the third in there. I mean, that's a great add to add into your running back room. A really productive NFL-ready guy out of Michigan State that's ready to play right now. Arizona, not incredibly deep. I think they're going to have to come together as a group. James Conner had an unreal season in terms of scoring last year. He had like 15 rushing touchdowns last year, which was incredible. He also had 37 receptions. Um, so, you know, I think James Connors maybe in your fantasy targets as a, as a possible underrated guy there. Um, but Daryl Williams, you'll see what you can get out of him. I like the kid, Eno Benjamin, they drafted a couple years ago, and now they got a couple of undrafted rookies, Keontae Ingram and Ronnie rivers who played at Fresno state. I think those kids really have a chance to make some noise, especially rivers. I was a big fan of him before he got hurt at Fresno state. So I'm going Rams, Niners, Seahawks, Cardinals, but I don't see a really bad running back group here. Yeah, we're close on this one. And I, I, you kind of, I mean, you kind of made my point for me where I think our one variation is going to come here. Um, for me at the top, I have San Francisco. And again, mm-hmm. I, I thought I thought just the number of guys that they had, because they just really, I, when, a, when a running back goes down for them, they they don't miss much of a beat. Uh, I know there was, there was a point in Lear where they just had Trey Sermon. They had a lot of running back injuries last year. And he wasn't, he kind of showed that, Maybe he's not that full three down back guy. He's more, you know, going to be a specialist for them. But again, they like you said, Jeff, Jeff Wilson, Jamichael Hasty, following up Elijah Mitchell. Uh, they, they've just got a lot of bodies back there. I think that can fill in in a situation. Uh, and, and they also drafted the guy, um, the guy at LSU, Davis Price. So uh, see how he can fit in the mix there. Uh, and then again, I, what you said, I think you check. I, when I kind of was just looking at the roster again, my eyes popped down to the fullback and thought, yeah. You got it. You got to give him credit. And yeah. I think that kind of sets them above the rest. But again, following it up, I think you have the, the really good two headed monster in, uh, in in L.A. with Henderson and Akers. I think two guys that, again, can be three down bad guys if you need them to or you can keep their legs fresh, rotate them in and out of any situation in the drive. You know, they like to they like to keep the ball moving once they've got it moving, uh, you know, get fresh legs out when you when you can, when you get it incomplete. So uh, and then I agree. I think I think Seattle is a little bit better than Arizona in this category. I think Rashad Petty down the stretch last year uh, really, really was electric and leading to a lot of hype about him this year and seeing what a, maybe a full, you know, we haven't had a full Rashad Penny healthy season in the NFL since he's come in. So uh, waiting to see if coming into his own full season, got his legs under him last year, uh, what he could do. And then he said a lot, a lot of hype around Ken Walker as well uh, coming mm-hmm. in to join them in Arizona. It, it, it does feel like it's kind of just James Conner um, who had the resurgence last year after, after leaving Pittsburgh, but uh, 
does, you know, got to see if that's a little bit of an outlier year. I wish there was just a little bit more behind him. So it does feel like just James Conner in that room uh, after losing Kenyon Drake to Miami. So uh, pretty much almost the same list there, just a little difference at the top for a team that I think we could see us uh, having, you know, competing at the top for a lot of these in San Fran and LA. We'll go back and forth on those. No question. And I think the difference with you is like you mentioned it, touchdowns are not a sticky stat. Uh, when it comes to this, I mean, I want to see yards per game. I want to see, you know, production over a period of time. And James Conner, great story, you know, his time in Pittsburgh, but there's a reason he's out of there. And I thought he benefited a lot from Kyler's throwing struggles where they kind of lost some faith in Kyler down the stretch as well. And so we'll, we'll see what James Conner does this year. All right. Hit me with some pass catchers. I, I honestly, like this was a hard one for me. I, I really went back and forth. I mixed and matched a lot of it. I'm not going to argue really with any order that you have this in. I, I really can see an argument for a lot for almost every single one of these teams. So I'm letting you fire away. Yeah, I felt the same way here. This was this. I kind of was like getting deep and getting grave, and then I kind of said, "Let's just let's not overthink this one." I, I think once I started to kind of just look at it, it, it kind of came together for me. I so I think. Starting at the top again, I think you have to start with the Rams. You've got the man who the triple crown of the wide receiver category last year uh, in, in catches, yards, touchdowns, Cooper Cup. Undeniable what he did last year and how good that was. So, I mean, you have to just give them a ton of credit at this position with him on the team. You bring in Allen Robinson to kind of fill in that Robert Woods role. Yeah, I think he's still got a lot of good football left in him. He's had some down numbers last, you know, last year in the few games he played, but again, the, the passing, the coaching slash passing situation that he was in was not great just a couple of years ago. Still a hundred reception, thousand yard guy. I think he's still got a lot of football left in him as well as that. Again, I love Van Jefferson, my favorite guy every game to, I don't know why he's like my every guy just bet uh first time touchdown score always wants to be Van Jefferson on a long touchdown. It's going to hit one of these days. And then you got Tyler Higby at the tight end position who, you know, a, a good mismatch there. Number two, I went with Seattle. I, I do okay. think that those two wide receivers are still on their own are very good. They are going to have drastically worse stats than they have had over the past few years of their career. DK Metcalf will have probably his worst statistical season of his NFL career uh, this season without uh, Russell Wilson there and with the, who he has going to him. But those two guys on their own, their skill and their ability, like a DK, I think DK is going to be asked for a ticket out of town any, any moment, you know, any, any year coming up now. Um, because he is a serious help and a serious weapon uh, to be on a good team here. Number three, we went with San Francisco. Talk about they have another guy who is just an absolute game changer, Debo Samuel, uh, one of, if not the most versatile wide receiver um, in the league, as we saw him play a serious amount of running back snaps towards the end of last year and in the playoffs, uh, which really helped them in a lot of games. Brandon Ayuk, another guy who I, I'm wondering, I feel like this is a season I got to see some more – consistency and credibility out of Brandon Ayuk. That name is still holding some weight, but I feel like he does maybe need to live up to it a little bit now, a few years out of college and, and a few years playing the league. And you still got old George Kittle back there who's just Mr. Reliable as far as, you know, run black, you know, we're talking pass catchers, but the run blocking, obviously we talk about all the time is, is really what George Kittle can add uh, as well as being pretty damn good in the red zone himself. And number four, I had to put Arizona because again, we've got to count for the amount of time that DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be out. Mm -hmm. you're missing a top five wide receiver in the league for, for uh, was it six to eight weeks. I think, I think it's six, it six games. I think it's six games, six games. So yeah. uh, you're out with him and, and that leaves you with what AJ green and, and, and Hollywood drops uh, as, as your top two wide receivers, <laughs> a man who is 
aging beyond his years in the wide receiver uh, position at the NFL. And then <laughs> who apparently is worth uh, two first round picks as Hollywood was drafted with one and then oh. just traded for one uh, in Hollywood Brown. So going to see if that connection goes back with Kyler, but I am still not the biggest fan of Hollywood trying to be a number one on a team. And so he's kind of filling in that role uh, when DeAndre's out. And if he's not filling in the role, you're saying AJ Green is, and that makes that situation even worse for me. So I think you had to put Arizona four. So this is, we're going to have a little bit of discrepancy on this because this is, this is interesting that we're talking. I mean, I think for starters, I'll just start with number one, because I, I don't think you can start this division without talking about Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. And I think you're hundred percent on it. You don't have a 1900, you just don't have seasons that Cooper Cup had. Like nobody does that. And there's no reason to believe that he's going to slow down because he is not built on speed. That's not his game. His game is just superb, excellent technical route running where, and, and their, their system is so good that they can just put him in motion. They can line him up off the line of scrimmage and he's going to get a free release. And that's really hard to deal with. That's just really hard to deal with. So it'll be interesting to see how teams defend him. Um, and then obviously Allen Robinson, you mentioned Van Jefferson. I thought they got some decent production out of guys like Ben Skoranek last year. Tutu Atwell is back, so he also adds a lot of speed to that. And then, of course, you said Tyler Higby. Not the deepest room, but production-wise, with what they do, I think it's a good room. They gel well together, and they have good quarterback um, cohesion. Uh, I had, You might be think I'm nuts, but I have Arizona number two. And I know I have factored in Hopkins being the six game suspended, but if I look at the numbers and I'm just looking at them, um, I know we're going to see six games with Hopkins. And we had this conversation about Kamara last week, but my problem with Kamara really is that there's no one else there. I look at Arizona and I see, okay, Hollywood Brown is not a great receiver. He's not a number one receiver. He's a high end number two receiver. In my mind, he has a thousand yard receiver last year, which is, blows my brains that he did that now the problem with hollywood brown is he had a thousand yards last year he had 91 catches but his yards per attempt went down his yards per attempt went down to 11 yards per per attempt that was what was so surprising to me is you think of hollywood brown as his deep burner his he had two yards full two full yards rather of uh of of a drop off from his previous year of yards per attempt so that's what's weird but he still produces if you look at the numbers between A.J. Green, who you would say is really the number two if Hopkins is out, and Brandon Ayuk, their numbers are very, very similar. Now, they're not the same receiver, but their numbers from last year are very, very similar. And A.J. Green, you might say, okay, he's an aging wide receiver and Ayuk is a young receiver. But A.J. Green does not have to be the number two wide receiver on this team very long. Like they, they, he's going to have 11 games this season where he's going to be the number two. And that's granted with injuries and such forth. But then I look deeper down the depth chart. Rondell Moore. I mean, you talk about a breakout player. I mean, that could be a real breakout player for, for Kingsbury's offense. Andy Isabella is still there. We wonder if he gets traded. They might have the deepest tight end room of this group. They've got Zach Ertz, who, you know, still has a lot of talent out there. Max Williams is still able to carry a tight end group if Ertz were to go down. And they drafted Trey McBride out of Colorado State, who was the best. I mean, he was the Mackey Award winner, best tight end without question in this draft. I mean, he's a really, really solid draft pick. So this is a very deep room. And I'll have Arizona at number two. 
Uh, I'll take Seattle number three, though. And and God, I wish they had a quarterback to throw to these guys because, I mean, with DK and Lockett, you're looking at two guys. Like you said, this is a lethal combination. A couple of years ago, double thousand rod receivers. You go beyond that, Freddie Swain, okay. Marquise Goodwin has been a traveling salesman basically around the league here. Um, Dwayne Eskridge, I really like. Young kid out of Wake Forest, second year in a league. Um, I love the kid Bo Melton that they drafted out of Rutgers. Could be a great slot uh, slot receiver. I think he's he's really talented. Noah Fant, can't forget him. I mean, he's coming over too. That's a big target, very athletic tight end with Will Disley, I mean, who's been productive at times. I think that they've made some strides in adding to this roster. They just haven't done it at the quarterback position. position excuse me. And I put San Francisco number four. And the reason being is not because I don't think Debo Samuel and, and Ayuk are great. I think Ayuk gets kind of overhyped a little bit. I think people really want him to be good. He's an analytics love, you know, by that crowd. But Debo, forget it. I mean, Debo's excellent. And George Kittle might be pound for pound and the best tight end of the league in terms of doing everything, blocking and receiving. But outside of that, man, we're looking at Jawan Jennings, Malik Turner, Ray Ray McLeod. Who's just, I mean, these, this is, you might as well call Kyle Shanahan Inspector Gadget because he just has gadget receivers. Outside of Jawan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod, Brandon Ayuk, uh, the kid Danny Gray, who they drafted out of uh, SMU, is such a burner. I mean, and even Debo, you look at Debo. I mean, you could argue that he has the tag of gadget running back receiver. And he's just taking it by storm. And just because of the system that these guys are in, they're able to thrive in that. But I don't look at San Francisco's receiver group and say, wow, you know, outside of Debo and Kittle, I'm, you know, a little bit, I'm not really shaking in my boots on a lot of these guys. So I went Rams, Cardinals, and it may be a surprise, Seahawks, 49ers. I think what you said at the top, I, I could see, again, kind of this this shift you know this this list shifting around uh and it is funny what you said about san francisco it's just we just want dynamic athleticism yeah. and speed we just want dynamic athleticism and speed in that offense that's all that's all we're looking for is, is somebody who got there and make a play so uh i i could see sliding them down that last spot it makes sense yeah i just you know and and honestly it's not a knock on them it's just the system that they're in and who they've drafted um, so we'll see, we'll see how it works out. I mean, clearly they've been pretty good without having a sick wide receiver group. Um, here we go with defense. Um, yeah, oh, always the hardest. It feels like always, always the, the hardest. hardest, always the hardest. And honestly, I have a team in here that I think we need to put into the considerations for the NFL positional rankings. I really do because at, at this position, because I just look and I'll, I'll just start it off. I just look at San Francisco and I say, wow, like I look at the linebacking crew. I look at the defensive line and I go, oh, like, we got to play these guys. Like they are just going to rip our freaking faces off. Like you, and, and then, you know, they have great coaching on top of that. So if you want to look at um, just the, the depth chart for San Francisco and, and their defensive line, um, you're looking at obviously Nick Bosa, who I mean, you look at Nick Bosa, he's right up there with Miles Garrett, TJ Watt. Like, he's really just that good. Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead. Um, you got Kerry Hyder and Mo Hurst behind that. I mean, you got some dogs, man. You got some real dogs. You might have the deepest and best linebacking crew here in the league. 
Sam Abukam, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, who might be the best linebacker in all football, and Aziz Alshair had an absolutely monster year last year and really catapulted himself into the top spot of being, you know, worthy of a starting role. Like, no question about it. This is a deep linebacker crew. So they stopped the run. The corners, again, we've always looked at San Francisco as kind of a unit in the, se- in the secondary, but guys like Emmanuel Mosley, Jason Barrett, Javarius Ward, um, these are guys that are not household names, but they're guys that have been reliable corners for this team. You have backups like Ambry Thomas that have had success as well. Jimmy Ward's still back there as a safety, not too deep at that safety position, but this team total package in the front seven, really, really deep. And that can mask a lot of problems that you might have when you don't have as many corners or maybe corners that aren't seen as, you know, elite. Uh, the second team on my list, I think this is pretty obvious, is the Rams. Um, now, there was a thought for me to put Seattle ahead of the Rams, but, you know, when you've got Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner, Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey, right there, it's just like you have the best player in all of football. I mean, in my mind, you have the best corner in all of football. You have a really good pass rusher in, in Floyd, and you've got a veteran Bobby Wagner who I'll admit Bobby Wagner is not what he once was, but he is still very, very good. I mean, still very, very good. And, you know, I look at that D line and, you know, the one thing that gives me a little pause is, you know, they lose the guy like Sebastian Joseph day on the line. And I wonder, you know, can they, are they deep enough? Are they deep enough on that line? You know, I, I just, I wonder Aaron Donald has a lot of problems, but you know, I still think this team is really solid. Um, I've just, you know, there are little holes. There are little holes. Like even in the secondary, their corners are great. Their safeties are, you know, a little bit, eh, maybe, you know, guys like Jordan Fuller and, and, and rap and Burgess and guys like that. But you look at Ramsey, David Long had a good year. Troy Hill is back. So he's one of the better nickel corners in the league. I mean, this is still a really good defense, but I want to see a little bit from them this year that they can continue what they did last year, losing Von Miller. I mean, holy crap. I mean, that's another one that's massive, but uh, we'll see how they do. Number three, I went Seattle and, you know, I think Seattle for all intents and purposes really does have a good roster outside of quarterback. You look at this um, front four and you see guys like Shelby Harris, who of course is near and dear to your heart. Al Woods, Puna Ford, LJ Collier, who hasn't really worked out, but, you know, has, has uh, you know, good potential. Quentin Jefferson, you've got a lot of good veteran leaders that have been productive in the past. You go to the linebacking crew, it's not crazy great. Jordan Brooks is one of the better linebackers in the league, but outside of that, there's not a lot of talent here. But where it really starts to fall off, and, and we got to talk about this guy, where it starts to fall off for me is the secondary. I mean, outside of Quandre Diggs, who I think is good, I think we give way too much credit to Jamal Adams. I just think Jamal Adams is – he's a great tackler in space. He can rush the quarterback. He had like eight and a half sacks last year. But, man, is he a liability at coverage. He can't cover. And that's such a big problem. And I know they have other guys at the corner position, but Jamal Adams is really just so overpaid and, and so overrated that it really, you know, it kind of hampers you to what you can do. And they don't use him correctly either. Um, so then you got Artie Burns, Sidney Jones. I like the kid Kobe Bryant, who was opposite of Sauce Gardner that they drafted out of Cincinnati. 
Um, I think their kid, Tariq Woolen, that they got out of UTSA, they're looking to get a bigger corner. He's like a 6'4 corner. The kid's massive. Um, but he is going to take some time to develop. So we'll see with that. And then Arizona at number four, and I don't think there's really much discussion here. I mean, you know, J.J. Watt is still good, but he's a defensive tackle now. I mean, he's not even a defensive end. He's a defensive tackle. I mean, he just he, – he can't pass rush what he was. He's always hurt. Um, they do have guys like Marcus Golden – that can pass rush as well, but there's just not a lot of depth here. Whatever happened, remember how excited we got about Isaiah Simmons? And, and I mean, now he's a full-time inside linebacker next to Zayvon Collins, who I also really liked coming out. Like they're two very different linebackers. I mean, you know, this is a very strange put together team. And then the secondary, I mean, outside of Buda Baker, I mean, what are we doing? I mean, there's just not much here. Byron Murphy, maybe you can make a case for a corner, but I think they're going to struggle a lot. They're going to get in a lot of shootouts this year. So uh, tough go of it, but I like uh, I like this crew. I, I, like the, I like San Francisco, the Rams, Seattle, and Arizona. Yeah, I think, again, I, I think at the top, I think we're exactly the same. Uh, I, there was no doubt it was going to be – you know, San Francisco, LA, uh, or variation, you know, of, of those two, but I, I have the same order that you have in San Fran and LA, because like the front seven of San Fran, uh, along with, again, I, I know you're, you're giving them credit as a unit, but I, I think that their corners, I mean, I think standalone that their corners uh, are pretty good and deserve a lot of credit. Uh, Rams right behind that with, you know, having the best defensive player in the league and Aaron Donald, um, as well as bringing in Bobby Wagner across the division is really good. And, uh, Guys like Jalen Ramsey, definitely some big name pieces. And as you said with the Rams with some little holes there, I mean, they're going to do exactly what they've done the past few years, figure out their holes that they have in the beginning part of the year, and then sell off all their draft picks and everything that they need to do uh, to get those pieces come, come the trade deadline and getting ready and geared up for the playoffs. Uh, I do have a variation. I have, I have Arizona ahead of Seattle. Uh, Seattle's defense to me, again, you, you mentioned Shelby Harris. Uh, I, I think Shelby Harris, I getting to the, the other side of 30 now, I, I, that, that pass rush, Seattle's never really had a good pass rush. Uh, I, I don't think so. And again, they've, they've gotten away with a lot uh, just the, in the Russell Wilson era that they've had. It's just going to be so interesting to see how that comes together. So I do have Arizona ahead of them. I know that again, like you said, JJ Watt, definitely, you know, not even a, not even a full down player anymore. I mean, kind of maybe just keep him fresh to come in and pass rush on important downs. He's not really an every down guy anymore to, to get back there and get after him. And I, somebody I highlighted the, the linebackers on Arizona too. I just thought two names of like guys that we thought were super, super dynamic and super unique, especially Simmons and like hit that, that versatile role that he played. And they just feel like, just feels like things aren't working out. They, they really don't feel like they're working out with those two together. Uh, maybe if they were to both go different places, they'd, they'd end up having it. But that's funny that you highlighted them because I thought the same thing uh, when I saw those two names. Yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. I think with uh, – and, and granted, you know, I think Arizona is really going to have to get a lot of production out of guys that, that – not even production out of guys that have kind of underachieved, but guys that have also been there for a while. I mean, you look at like Zach Allen and – Lucky Fotu and guys like that on the D line that, you know, I mean, obviously we're looking at Chandler Jones and being like, Oh my gosh, like what are they going to do to replace this guy? But that's what Isaiah Simmons was supposed to be. Right. I mean, he was supposed to be a hybrid safety linebacker that could rush a quarterback that could cover running backs. that could do that. And now he's just playing pure inside. Zayvon Collins is like 270 pounds. I mean, he's like, a he's like a, 
uh, a linebacker from like the nineties, you know, I mean, he's huge. So they're two very different. It's just a weird setup on how they set that defense up. And, you know, I, that's why, you know, I watched Seattle a little bit towards the end of the year and I think they figured some things out as they went through. So that's the only discrepancy I think I have here, but in terms of, um, in terms of everything else, no, I think, um, I think San Francisco, we got to look at as, you know, a serious, serious top four defense just because of how good the front seven is. Yeah, no, I said, I mean, I said the, absolutely nailed it with the linebacking crew. I mean, they are, they are just deep everywhere across that, across that group. Yeah. I'll just hit you with some stats from last year before we moved to coaching San Francisco last year, tied for fifth in sacks, tied for fifth in rush yards per attempt. They were not very good on third down defense. They were in the bottom five in that category. The Rams really just down the stretch did well. Fifth in defensive pass rating, third in sacks, tied for fifth in rushing yards per attempt. Um, Seattle actually surprisingly, a couple, they, they stopped the run really well, tied for second in that category, and then fourth in red zone defense. They did a great job in that. Um, Arizona just couldn't get off the field. They were bottom five and third down D. And, you know, they didn't give up a lot of big plays, but man, like they just, they spent a lot of time on the, uh, on the field as a defense and maybe too much time. So let's go to this interesting category because we've got a very, you know, this is, this is the handsome crew right here. I mean, this is just it. This is what it is. Let's call it for, you know, this is the GQ coaching staff and maybe we're not counting Pete Carroll and that whole thing. Maybe he's like, you know, Harper's weekly or something like that. Something from yesteryear. Um, Oldest coach in the league, Pete Carroll. And then three really handsome dudes that are really, really smart and, and offensive minds. So, uh, you know, for me, I don't know how you characterize this group if we did it by coaching staff or coaches, but, you know, to me, I, I'm going to let you have the floor. The floor is yours with this one. Yeah, it feels to me this is one that it, it does feel like, again, the, the, the head coaches are really highlighted in this division. So I, I felt like I did maybe pay a little less attention to the OCs and DCs like I've had to go to just to kind of get some separation before. But it felt like I kind of just surface level was like, I know the head coaches of these teams. They We kind of know what the MO on these coaches is too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, the young, handsome group and then old old Petey Carroll coming in with like the the sunblock on his nose and like a Tommy Bahamas shirt coming in and joining the boys uh, over here. But number one, again, I, I think a lot of people would disagree with what I think is going to happen for both of us on this show that we would have Kyle Shanahan still number one, even after Sean McVay won a Super Bowl last year. I still think that if I'm relying on the head coaching and the play calling and just the design and the scheme, I would take Kyle Shanahan over pretty much anybody else in the league. I think that we, again, we've, we've made that pretty clear about our feelings on this show. Uh, for for him, uh, so but number two, ask me Sean McVay. I mean, you have to follow that up. I mean, those those are the we've got two of our the best coaches in the league that have played in the division together and are seem to be destined to battle each other their entire careers in this division, uh, going back and forth. The the young hot shots aging aging gracefully together uh, in this division. Number three, I did the old man snuck in here. I, I think yeah. I do. I still have Pete Carroll here. I think. You know, maybe the game has has passed him by a little bit in, in recent years and, and his, you know, his, his style and want, wanting to maybe try to seem to get to a pass first offense with Russell Wilson a couple of years ago. And then it, that was clearly working like too well halfway through the season. So they started going back and running the ball again uh, in the back half. But again, we got to leave our, our, our man Cliff Kingsbury at the bottom here because the man hasn't won anything. The man hasn't won anything. He's never proven anything uh, other than that. He's handsome. So 
uh, <laughs> I think that until until he could do more than that, I I don't know if you're going to disagree with my list either. So I think that uh, I think we got this one spelled out pretty much. Um, yeah, it's it's you know he looks good doing it. You know, I mean, that's all you can say about him. Uh, if we were going to do coaching staff, I think I would probably put McVay's staff and him because I would, I, you're right. I, we both do the same thing. We both put Shanahan above McVay. It's razor thin close, but Shanahan has gotten the better of McVay in, in most of their games. Now the one that mattered, obviously he didn't. Um, but I think that's more credit to Raheem Morris and the defense really last year and winning both the championship game and the Super Bowl. Um, they did not have great offensive performances in either of those games, uh, the Rams. So, uh, and neither did Shanahan, but Shanahan, I think, has a little bit more of a CEO mindset. And, and McVay does too, and to a lot of degree. I know he, he's he's got a, a big reign on that. But if you're talking about Raheem Morris being on that staff, and D'Amico Ryans is a really good defensive coordinator too. So it's very close. I do have Shanahan above McVay, though, as you said. I, I think the scheme wise, uh, what he's learned from his father and the Alex Gibbs and all these old coaches. And, you know, he's just a genius. Um, I do have old Pete Carroll again there at number three. Like we said, for all the reasons you said, the game has certainly passed him by, especially his cover three defense that he runs. Um, but, you know, he's still a championship head coach and he, that still counts more than prom Kingsbury because he's just not going to be uh, anywhere above any of these guys. I'm sorry. Like, when your team consistently, yeah, have they gotten better? Yeah, but they've also had number one picks and top picks and this, that, and the other. Um, he's only been coaching this team. This was his fourth year now, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, going into it, and have they gotten incrementally better? Yeah, I think they've gotten better, but they've certainly faded down the stretch, and and they certainly have not built this team and roster to a point where they're going to be able to compete for a Super Bowl. I just, I don't see it. And Kingsbury is not coaching them out of that. Let me tell you that right now. So yeah, let's go Shanahan. Let's go McVay, Carroll, Prom Kingsbury. I, I couldn't remember the nickname. I knew you were going to come with it. I was almost brought it up before, but I, I know Dan's got it locked and loaded. Prom Kingsbury. Yep. Come on. That's what he is. Bro. I mean, he just looks so good. Get him the little sash, get him a little hat. He should wear a crown on the sideline every single week. That's what I think. Uh, just the sunglasses. Just Mr. Just, cool. Just Mr. Cool. He's too cool for the prom king. Unbelievable. Um, all right, dude. That's literally the entire NFL in one summer. Pretty cool. Yeah, we went right down the list. I, that, it, it felt like a long time looking back. And as soon as we finished now, I'm like, you know, that was that was we did a lot of work there. We did a lot of digging. Like I said, I think it's, I think we're going to be better for it come the season, though. I think I think this is. This is the OTAs for us, as we said. So we're going to be better for it come uh, come real kickoff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have anything that you're playing here? I know that we had talked about um, the Rams are still plus money to win this division. And that is very surprising. I think that there may be, I mean, if you want to take a flyer on, if you really believe in Trey Lance and think that he can make the jump, do you think that he would be more? They would be more worth more taking a flyer than the Cardinals, who are now like four to one almost to win this division. Who now have their quarterback kind of settled? But I just don't know if I trust this team. They're much worse on defense. Their quarterback is a freaking nutcase. Um, you know, I mean, I would much rather take the upside of Trey Lance 
to me personally than Arizona. But if you're giving me plus money with the Rams, I'm going to take it. Yeah, I would say I'm, I'm still sitting with that again. Uh, what I have is from when we started this, when we when we ran through just the the conference as a whole, is that they were plus 140. I don't know if it's lower than that. And that they might be down to like plus 125. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, with with the Cardinals thing shaking out the way it has. Yeah, I, again, like we said, the way you know when you highlighted with their defense, I just don't. I agree. I don't think that if you want to look at surface level and Kyler and like, yeah, they're, they're dynamic enough, but the two other defenses they're gonna have to go through in this division in some meaningful games down the stretch. You know, the second meeting between these teams. The defense, I think, is just going to shine through for San Fran and the Rams. And, yeah, I, I think you take plus money on the Rams seems just like the way to go here, just the safe bet. Rams right now sitting at plus 125 across the board. Some places at plus 120. Uh, I know you said plus 140. You got it. I got it at plus 150 a little earlier. Um, so there's that. 49ers are anywhere from plus 150 to plus 200. And Cardinals are anywhere from plus 300 to plus 400 right now. I wouldn't touch the freaking Seahawks with a 10-foot pole, obviously. Uh, you think about maybe they're under as a play with that quarterback. I think it was five and a half was their under. It's getting um, juiced up, though. As, as I, have, so I think it's like 140, minus 145 at that number. Yeah, that's it's a tough one. It's just without that quarterback, man, they're just gonna it's just gonna be tough smelling. And they're and they're playing the AFC West. I mean, this is right, three, three hard games. They got three hard games in their division and they get the yeah. hardest division across the way. Yeah. That's just, that's a brutal schedule for Seattle uh, opening with Denver. Uh, so have fun with that. <laughs> have fun with the uh, reunion of Drew Locke to his team. Yeah. I think you got to bet uh, Drew Locke's over interceptions that game, guaranteed. <laughs> over interceptions, over on the sacks for the Broncos. Figure out a way to do it. I love it. Lewis, you got a narrative about the NFC West Waves? Well, the home team has won the last two seasons, and I'm pretty sure the Cardinals are plus 3,000 <laughs> or something like that to win the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm not saying take it, but I'm just giving you a little bit of a narrative right there. Uh, and also, also, if they paid uh, Kyler Murray so much money to study some tape and he, you know, they're going to look over him like it's detention or something, He's going to watch tape. Hopefully he gets better. And with the weapons he has, it's it'd be running around a little chicken nugget right in the end zone for a little uh, Super Bowl championship. So uh, do with that information as you will. That's see it. Okay. We, we could say all these things. We look at the numbers, but then you just you take a look at that crystal ball and you, you forget some things about, you know, hometown Super Bowl teams. I mean, it, it just, you know, these are the things you got to remember. We got to remember these things. It's you a look shouldn't. into the crystal ball. It's a look into the narrative. It's a look into the future. It should make no sense at all. But then again, here we are. So, yeah. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine after this whole offseason and that yeah. happens? Oh. Yeah, I can. I could see it. <laughs> you yeah. just said. <laughs> I can see the Bills are the Chargers. Yeah, I, I could see it. I could all right. It. Yeah. We might have a prediction. That's Did you oh. say that for the prediction show, I Mr. Narrative? It. But then again, now the Bucks got – Julio, I know that's like Dan. Oh, Dan's. Oh boy, it's, now Dan. I don't know how you don't place at least a little little flavor town USA with that. Who says yeah. I didn't? I don't know local town. Oh, yeah. You know I'm a big Julio guy. You know I love Julio. I know you love Julio. Yeah, you love so, you some Julio. Yeah, I'm at school here. All right. Well, he's gonna get a piece of that pie now. Come on, I um, love it. <laughs> Speechless. Speeches. That's your last. Hey, in two weeks when we come back on the show, we need a full NFL narrative, man. We need a full one. 
full thing. All right, I got you. I'll come up with something. It might be a little long winded, but I'll I'll come up with something. I got. That's okay. That's the best part of it. All right, we're gonna take two weeks. We're gonna come back. We're gonna get the preseason underway. We're gonna react to some stuff, and then we're gonna do NFL positional rankings: the quarterbacks, the running backs, the pass catching groups, the defenses, and the coaches, and see what we are because this is gonna really differ on a lot of things we only have four teams to choose from every week now you got 32 maddie let's see what you can do with that yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be locking myself we have two weeks off just because we have to you know we have to study ourselves we got to get we're going to go sit with kyler in, in detention and get this get this homework done just writing on the board i will study rosters that's it <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it well maddie it's always good to see you my friend lewis Take care. Enjoy uh, a little time off. End of the summer. And you know when the cleats come on, that's really when the fall starts to begin. So we will see you again, ladies and gentlemen, in two weeks. We thank you for listening every week. We'll be back on another brand new edition of the Sunday Club. The Sunday Card Podcast is co-hosted and directed by Dan Zampano, co-hosted by Matt Silbreth, and produced by Lou Paracone. You can listen to The Sunday Card on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen to us on Sports Country Radio at sportscountry.net at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. on Saturdays, and again at 11.30 a.m. on Sundays. Follow us on Twitter for all of our picks throughout the regular season at The Sunday Card. And remember... If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.